It is another edition of Making Money, the show that tries to provide a little guidance and some financial literacy, courtesy of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead along for the ride, and maybe you can add a little bit of advice here or there. We're going to talk about tips for U.S. investors, Ron, and this has always been, I mean, if you if you look at the stock market every day, you see the closing numbers. And what are we at now, about a 12, 13,000 point spread between Canada and the States, somewhere in that range? Yep. Uh, you know, if you're not investing in the States, you're missing the boat, really. Well, you know, there's investments that and sectors that Canadians really are good at. And there's these sectors that if you're an investor, you don't have to search the world for world-class companies that are well-run, that are continuously profitable, that are cutting edge. And those include things like railroads, banks, insurance, real estate investment trusts, oil and gas companies, pipelines, utilities, engineering companies, forest products, telecommunications, uh, cover many of the uh, major areas. And these are companies that Canadians will uh, measure up to any benchmark anywhere in the world. Yeah, if you take and a look so, at, for instance, CN or CP as railroads or, or the Canadian banks, they've, they've long been top performers, right? Absolutely terrific companies. So do you need to go internationally and find uh, some companies in these sectors to invest in? when you've got such really good companies at home that allow you to do the same? I don't think so. So when you're looking at investing in Canada, look at the sectors that were well represented, where we have companies that have good long-term growth records, solid balance sheets, that have high-quality management. And in these sectors that I mentioned, there's many names that you'll be able to find that are worthwhile candidates so you don't have to convert your money and take uh, the risk of, of a currency. I mean, you look at the Canadian dollar being in the low 60s to as high as 110, and, you know, you've had 80 90% volatility in our currency. So if you can invest at home and buy good quality companies, no use going abroad. Where you want to invest abroad, and we're not only just talking about the U.S. here, we should probably expand this to say, your foreign investment dollars. You should put in sectors that are not adequately represented in this country's markets. And there are other industries where we are simply not world-class players. And if you want exposure to them, you're going to have to look beyond your borders. And those are areas like healthcare. I mean, can you think of a world-class Canadian healthcare company? Not off the top of my head, no. Uh, can you think of a company that's in consumer products that's uh, world-class? Well, you know, you probably have Saputo, which makes milk and dairy products. Defense contractors, are there any world-class companies? No. <laughs> no. Aerospace? No. Entertainment media? Uh, well, we have our own homegrown companies, but frankly, you know... They're small uh, players. They are. Yeah. When's the last time you saw a Canadian movie or, or Canadian entertainment syndicated anywhere else outside of Canada, very seldom. So, you know, these are areas, along with technology, certainly, I mean, the U.S. is the, is, is the global uh, technology powerhouse. So if you want exposure to technology, uh, generally the U.S. is a, a place that you're going to have to go. So save your investment dollars, 
to invest outside of Canada and those areas where you can't find really high quality growth uh, candidates to invest in at home. Okay, so if, if that's the direction we're going to go, you always want to make sure that this is efficient, right? That you're, you're doing it, especially when it comes to tax, as we've talked about in the past on making money. You know, when you get and do a spreadsheet of where your biggest costs are, for many people, 40% or more, I mean, when you look at Tax Freedom Day being in June, that's the amount of time that you're working each year until that date in June where all the income that you're going figuratively flows into paying your taxes. And so one of the most important things and one of the most neglected things for individuals to do is spending some time figuring out where do they get the best tax bang for their buck. And there's three things you can do if you have foreign investments. Put the high-yielding stocks, if they're a U.S., in an RSP or a RIF. We have a tax treaty with the Americans that doesn't require paying a 15% withholding tax on dividends if they're held in either of these two shelters. So the 15% withholding tax that you normally have on U.S. dividends, if you put it in RSPs or RIFs, you don't have to pay that. Now, if you've got especially growth companies, many growth companies don't pay a dividend. They're perfect for outside the RSP in a non-registered account because you can buy a stock I mean, I've owned stocks and had them for 20 years, 30 years, and I've seen gains of 10, 15 times on my investment. And I've never paid a dime of tax on these gains because I haven't sold them. So you not only are going to pay half the tax that you pay on interest, but you can compound 100% dollars for years and years without paying any tax at all. So a good place for those low-dividend-paying U.S. stocks is non-registered account. Now, the thing you don't want to do is put U.S. dividend-paying stocks in a tax-free savings account because the withholding taxes have to be paid. So even though it's a tax-free environment, withholding taxes are taken out and sent to the U.S. And usually, if you have U.S. stocks, you can deduct the amount of withholding tax on a non-registered account against your Canadian taxes payable. Well, if you have it in a TFSA, you can't. So a basic rule, uh, keep your U.S. stocks that pay dividends outside of a tax-free savings account. Okay, good advice there. Do you, how do you create U.S. cash flow? If you're, you know, let's, let's say you're a snowbird. Well, you know, Gord, I think uh, you were always a very good example of, of that because uh, you'd have U.S. investments and you'd use the income from those U.S. investments to, to pay for some of your trips down south of the border. And so uh, what you want to do is you try to create enough U.S. cash flow uh, from your investments to pay U.S. dollar expenses if you're a snowbird. Then you don't have to worry about creating liquidity and converting money from your Canadian portfolio to cover your costs, especially if the Canadian dollar is sinking like a rock. You've already got these U.S. investments that are producing income for you. Use some of that income to pay for your trips down south or your vacations or your time away from the snow. And so it's always nice to know there's some cash sitting there that is purposely designated to you going down south and letting the icicle on the end of your nose (laughs) melt as you sit in your lawn chair drinking a pina colada. 
Well, yeah, another thing too, Ron, is that, you know, I had a U.S. dollar account for years at the bank and I would just, you know, if I had a little extra cash sitting around or I'd, sometimes it, I, I disciplined myself for a few years there to put some in every month. So I was buying, I was buying U.S. dollars along the way. So that when it came time to go on a, on a vacation down south, I wasn't having to bite the bullet and go to the currency exchange and pay that premium. I'd sort of accrue them over time. It, the punishment felt a little less that way. Well, you know, and that is a very good piece of advice. I mean, we've regularly field questions on this show from people who are looking for indicators of when they should move from one currency to another. And currency traders will all tell you it's very, very difficult to pick long-term trends in currencies. And the way you did it, Gord, where you dollar cost average just a little on a regular basis, moving it to uh, a U.S. account, for example, is a great way to build up the capital in the U.S. side or, or, you know, if you're investing in the U.K., just putting in a little bit on a regular basis so it blends the ups and downs over time and you get a good average price. And most people at dollar cost average, frankly, they get a better price over the long term than those that are trying to trade it and look for the tops and bottoms and making big moves, because often it doesn't turn out. And we've talked a lot in the past, Ron. We've done a show on dividends. Uh, Canadian dividends give you a bit of a break there as opposed to U.S. dividends, right? Yeah, no, and in places like Alberta, you're going to pay, you know, a little over 30% tax on dividends. And whereas, when, especially if we're talking, not especially, but if we're talking about Canadian dividends, whereas U.S. dividends, they're taxed at the uh, the rate you pay on on interest. So, you know, you could pay forty eight percent on it on a U.S. dividend and pay only maybe a, a third uh, or thirty some percent tax on a Canadian dividend. So, when you're looking at companies, especially you know if you're looking at a U.S. pipeline or a Canadian pipeline, well. Pipelines are known for their big dividends. In Canada, it's not hard to get 5% plus on a high-quality utility or pipeline stock that pays a good dividend. And so, you know, if you're looking at the equivalency in the States, well, you'd have to get a much, much higher rate because you're just going to pay more of that in tax if uh, if you buy the U.S. one. So if you've got companies that appear uh, really similar – Opt for the Canadian one for its tax efficiency of its dividends. You know, I read something uh, just yesterday that kind of startled me, and, and I thought, well, there's probably some validity to that. I, I'm not in a position to be able to do the math, but the claim was made that were it not right now, for the price of oil and gas and how well Canadian agricultural business does, that our dollar would be worth somewhere between 50 and 60 cents. <laughs> and so if you're you want to keep an eye on that relationship between the Canadian and US dollar, don't you? Yeah, because it tells you a lot of how competitive we are against uh against the US and our balance of payments. There's a lot of things that go into determining it, but you know, at the end of the day, the Canadian dollar is a supply and demand issue. If more people are buying Canadian dollars and selling them, generally they're going to go up against other currencies. And so a lot of that will depend on the attractiveness or investment markets. It'll, it'll, um, if Canadian, if people are having to convert to Canadian dollars to buy our goods, well, that pushes the Canadian dollar up. So that relationship moves in long-term trends. So if the Canadian dollar is rising, 
you want to buy Canadian assets or ETFs that hedge Canadian uh, dollar. And if the Canadian dollar is caught in a long-term downtrend, well, uh, in, you'll often see that these trends last 10 or 15 years. And so if you're looking and seeing that, you know, Canadian dollars had a long-term downtrend against the U.S. dollar, well, that's probably not a good time, bad time to start dollar cost averaging and buying some U.S. dollars and eventually converting those dollars into uh, U.S. investments. Okay, so there you go, some strategies to look at if you're thinking of uh, investing in other parts of the world. But again, as Ron pointed out so correctly, you know, a lot of things here at home that are pretty good too, right? So pay attention to all the markets. So there you go, some good advice from the financial coach, Ron Hebert. We're back again next week with another show. And Ron, as we always like to say, if you got a question, send it to us, correct? If you've got a question, send it to us. We're delighted to... Uh answer your questions on the air. Sometimes it takes us a couple weeks uh, to be able to find a spot to put it in our shows. But if you uh, typically what I'll do, if it's going to take a few weeks, uh, I'll, I'll send an email back with an outline of what we're going to talk about or try to answer your question as best I can. And then we flesh it in when we have our show. And our website is letsmakemoney.ca, where you can reach us, or through cfcw.com as well, where the show is hosted on their portal. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, join us again next week. I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for tagging along. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.